Daily Driver podcast gets support from americantrucks.com. Visit www.americantrucks.com. Welcome back to the Weekly Driver podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group. My colleague and friend is Bruce Aldrich, and we have a special guest today, Steve Ellis, who a while back when I was test driving the Honda uh, Clarity fuel cell was my uh, was my uh, guru, so to speak, and really helped me through learning the curve on on that vehicle. So, Steve, welcome to our program, and could you introduce yourself and tell us um, what you do uh, for Honda? Sure, yeah. I'm uh, Steve Ellis, and I'm the manager of fuel cell vehicle marketing, but that's kind of a narrow uh, definition. I actually wear a lot of hats. I've chaired different industry organizations, uh, three-year chairman of the Fuel Cell Hudson Energy Association, but also with CNG vehicles at Honda and our plug-in electric vehicles, too. So uh, kind of lots of hats, but broad-based. Gotcha. Let me let me get this off my chest. First of all, thank you. <laughs> While I was um, coming back from Long Beach, I had the opportunity a few weeks ago to drive the fuel cell, the Clarity fuel cell from Sacramento to Long Beach and back. And uh, you were kind enough to provide a map and we had a few phone calls. And of course, like others, I um, miscalculated a little bit and uh, did happen to run out of hydrogen. Um, but we went through the process and you were quite helpful. And actually, from my perspective, it was a really a good thing that it, had, that it happened because uh, Honda provides uh, a towing service in, in for people who lease that car in case um, some other person doesn't quite do their homework like I didn't do it. So um, thank you very much again for that help and, and your uh, your calmness along the way. I appreciate that. No, no, no problem, James. You know, I've lived in the space with vehicles that have limited infrastructure for over 20 years. And, you know, these things happen. I, I, I guess the question is, do I, do I get to publicly call you out for not following my advice <laughs> for stations? Oh, yeah, do it, do it. Please, please, uh, <laughs> I deserve it. Any, anything you want to do, public lashing is fine, you know, stones, whatever you want to, I don't know. But I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it. Cause it, it. But, you know, I looked back on it and it was, a, it, you know, it was only a couple hours of, of of waiting and uh, the, the, the process of that was really interesting to see how all that worked and how efficient it was and, and you, you know, explained to me some hyper-miling, hyper I guess, and told me some tricks to the trade and we almost got there but I think I was about 13 or 14 miles shy of the next uh, station so it was, it was all part of, the, um, part of the learning experience and so I'm, uh, I'm glad it kind of happened in a roundabout way. Yeah, and as the station network develops, you know, we're really lucky that today people can drive a hydrogen fuel cell car from Southern California to the Bay Area, Sacramento, San Francisco, and this was enabled by basically one station halfway between, at everyone knows if you've ever driven the five, Harris Ranch. Yes. And uh, the vehicle has this, you know, longest range of a zero emission vehicle uh, certified in the United States. So. Doing that trip is actually pretty easy. You just have to stop, that's all. That's right. Um, yeah. Before Bruce jumps in, I'm, I know he has a lot of questions too. I, I thought it might be good to, just to explain that this vehicle uh, debuted in Southern California, I believe in late 2016 or two, early 2017. And there are three varieties of the Clarity. The one that I had, the fuel cell, which is fascinating and it won me over very quickly. And then there's a fully electric and there's a, a hybrid vehicle. So. Could you give us a little, uh, bring us up to date on this vehicle and, and how it's expanding and um, what the success has been like so far? 
Absolutely, and, and you know, you laid it out well. Really, uh, the Clarity Fuel Cell is one of three powertrains in the Clarity uh, chassis. It's a large vehicle. It's a five-passenger with a lot of uh, rear seat room. I mean, three adults fit just perfectly in the back seat. Yes. And it's appointed very well, the Honda Sensing uh, suite of safety systems. But it's just a fun car to drive, in regard, regardless of the powertrain. So the fuel cell was the first to launch. It launched in December of, of 16. Um, now we have thousands on the road. Uh, we have a dealer network set up for that. This hydrogen station network continues to grow. And uh, the governor has recently what they call doubled down uh, to build infrastructure for both plug-in electrics and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. And he's increased the state's commitment to build uh, 200 stations from what was a goal of 100 stations. So we're on a good pathway to really make this totally mainstream for all Californians. Hey, Steve, I was curious, what happened to uh, compressed natural gas? Why, why don't they, that, that would be a third infrastructure, I guess. What, what's, uh, what's happening there, or if nothing, or you what? Know, CNG, yeah, CNG vehicles actually work very well. And when Honda introduced the Civic Natural Gas, you could say it raised the bar. It was literally regarded as the world's best fuel, uh, uh, CNG vehicle. Um, because it was really uh, the result of kind of Honda build quality, Honda approach to uh, uh, making a vehicle that was seamless in operation. It wasn't a conversion uh, from a gasoline vehicle like a, a lot of previous ones. But if you fast forward, what we've seen is uh, greater electrification of vehicles. With electrification, you get much greater efficiency. And, you know, look at hybrids today, 50 miles per gallon. The fuel cell vehicle rated close to 70 miles per gallon equivalent. Uh, but CNG vehicles, uh, if, you, if you added, for example, a hybrid powertrain, it was adding, uh, kind of doubling the cost of making it a efficient vehicle. Oh, Very see. challenging to do for light duty. Um, heavy duty, buses, trucks, uh, that's a huge success story for CNG. And now today, a lot of the natural gas uh, that's, delivered to vehicle transportation is biomethane. So you have a very low carbon fuel. So nothing wrong with CNG, it's good. Um, uh, if it's uh, renewable uh, biomethane, uh, it, it, it meets all the environmental goals one would want, but great success stories with heavy duty. Los Angeles's entire bus fleet is CNG. So the air quality is uh, greatly improved from CNG. I think I, I know where CNG comes from, and I know where, how electricity's uh, generated. Can you tell me how in the heck you get hydrogen stuck, <laughs> stuck in a bottle? You often hear people say, well, hydrogen's the most abundant right. element in the universe. And that's true, but we live on Earth, not, not necessarily the universe. But the great thing about it is really it has a diversity of, you could call it feedstocks. You can make hydrogen from water and the only emission from vehicle is water. So it's literally a closed loop system of zero emission uh, transportation fuel. When you do that, you want to use uh, uh, low carbon, you want to use electric, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a process called electrolysis, sorry. And you want to use renewable electrons to do that, which can be wind, solar, uh, hydroelectric, you know, lots of different ways. The other method is from natural gas. It's a very efficient process. Um, with natural gas, which is chemical uh, term is CH4, one carbon atom, four hydrogen atoms. 
So when you uh, reform natural gas to make hydrogen, you can sequester the carbon atom, but regardless of that, you still get a significant CO2 reduction even when you make it from natural gas, simply because of the efficiency of the process and the efficiency of the vehicle. That's great. Uh, I see. So what are the, uh, how is it made that for this infrastructure that's being built? Both, both so the, methods the, or what? Yeah good, yeah, good question. Today in California, the state requires 33% on average all hydrogen delivered to vehicles to be renewable. That's actually a, a uh, floor, not a ceiling. So um, the actual amount today varies you know, between that 33% and 40%, and that will continue to, get, uh, uh, to increase uh, the renewables, just like the electric grid continues to get cleaner in California today. So what you have is a pathway of lower carbon transportation, whether it's a plug-in electric vehicle or a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. These uh, mix of stations are what you'd call uh, on-site electrolysis, so they're using green electrons to make the hydrogen there. You have delivered hydrogen from steam methane reformation. You have uh, a variety of feedstocks. We even have a sanitation district where they take the literally the, the garbage you put down your mm -hmm. drains and the, the stuff that goes through the pipes um, to a sanitation station to make biomethane that methane is turned into hydrogen and what you have is renewable hydrogen there. So there's, uh, it, simply put, we would never uh, import hydrogen like we do oil today. Wow. So some stations, actually a truck delivers it compressed <clears throat> and then some it's actually made on site, you're saying? That's Absolutely. Amazing. That's so amazing. of the on site production, you have both steam methane reformation, what's called a small reformer, and you have electrolysis on site. Others, it's trucked in. It can be trucked in, compressed, as you stated. It can be uh, cross, uh, trucked in in a cryogenic state, which is uh, sub-freezing. So it's then a liquid, like liquid uh, oxygen or liquid uh, nitrogen. This is the liquid hydrogen. That's uh, It's interesting, Steve, because um, in my experience with, with the Clarity, um, I, I, it was almost like, a, I, I want to say it in a funny way, it was almost like being in a little secret society because um, one time I stopped um, in Santa Barbara and there was a guy in front of me who had the, the Mirai and I was in the middle and a guy, another guy pulled up uh, behind me. So there were three of us in the, in the refueling station in the, um, the, true, the true Zero uh, station and the guy said, oh, by the way, uh, do, you need, do, you, do you need to use my glove? So then when he put the, the nozzle on his, uh, my car in that station, it, the nozzle was really cold. And in the other areas, the first time I filled up, it wasn't. So there was a couple little things along the way with the three guys who were in the station. We did high fives. We talked about being in the HOV lane. <laughs> it was like a little community of all of a sudden we were friends. They were, we were complete strangers, but it was a nice little... Uh, what do you call it? a little camaraderie among people who are using, uh, you know, fuel cell cars? It was great. No, it's 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 I think a respect and an understanding that uh, the people that are driving them today are at the leading edge of literally uh, a new form of zero emission transportation, um, and really changing the way we're going to drive in the future. It it comes back to this point about electrification. Electrification provides great vehicle efficiency, and now towards zero emission vehicles, the public has two choices, battery electric vehicles, hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles. This is a first, and so I think what you experienced is just that. It's kind of a, a 
a camaraderie of uh, team players yeah. uh, toward a, a new future. I chuckled for quite a while. One guy was um, an anesthesiologist, and he was driving from Long Beach to the Los Angeles area every day, and he, he stressed that you know, if he, as a single driver, he was able to go in that left-hand lane, which is another question I have for you. And he said he, you know, he just saves an, a tremendous amount of time. And and the other guy uh, was a businessman, and I've forgotten now what he does, but he was equally impressed with the, the ability to get to where he wanted to go in the L.A. maze of freeways a lot quicker than he uh, would if he was just stuck in traffic like the rest of the people are most of the time down there. So that was, a, that was fun to talk to those guys about that. Um, so the, the, could you explain a little bit while I'm on that topic, if I understand correctly, and this, unless it's expanded, there are now 35 uh, stations in California, many in the, many in Southern California, and um, if I understand correctly, 12 dealerships where um, the public can lease the Clarity fuel cell cars. So is that still accurate uh, at this point? Yes, that is. Uh, 35 stations out of about 65 that the state has funded. So the others are in some state of, of uh, uh, development or construction or we call it commissioning. So yes. there's a process. Our makers are involved in that. Uh, yes, we set up 12 dealers in the state, six in Northern California, six in Southern California. And that's today. And as we expand into other markets, for example, San Diego, uh, there are customers that literally have the car down in San Diego, but we don't have dealers there because there's really just a single station today. There's another one being built. As that market builds out, dealers will be added. We'll see this expansion occur almost like cell division. Uh, it, it, it's, it's in the markets today, San Francisco, Bay Area, Sacramento, Southern California, really Orange County, L.A. County, and that will expand over time. So it's a pathway. It's 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 a, we're starting literally today. Every marathon starts with the first step. These are the baby steps in the beginning miles of a marathon, you might say. Yes. What do you think the next steps are for Honda if if this proves out the the Clarity sells uh, as they expect? Will they? What other vehicles do they have on their horizon? Well, the new Clarity fuel cell really represents a leap forward with the technology, and this is the world's first, the world's first application of the powertrain under the hood of the car. If we go back about 20 years, you know, you have people that are detractors of different technologies or they maybe question that. They said, ah, the components are too big. There's, it takes up, a, you know, so much room, you need a truck, you know, to fit all this in. What Honda's done is literally downsized this year after year um, or generation after generation. And the point is, the powertrain fits under the hood and is sized just like a V6 powertrain in any other vehicle. Why that matters now is we can apply this powertrain across any platform that Honda has that utilizes that size engine configuration, whether that's a Pilot, an Odyssey, uh, you know, any of our other vehicles. Other automakers are you know, looking at SUVs. The applicability of fuel cell technology literally mimics, uh, allows uh, one to mimic the operation of a gasoline car today, over 300 mile range, three to five minute refueling. And tomorrow, what we'll see is a wide array of platforms that meet the needs of the people. Yes, that, that brings to mind a few points. Um, the car is promoted with a 366 uh, range, 366 mile range, 
And uh, as, a, as a newbie, when I went to the different stations, uh, what I was really impressed with is, for example, the one, in, the one in Harris Ranch is set off by itself like the other ones I experienced. It's a clean area. You pull right in there, and there's a, there's a, um, a video that tells you if you don't have the instructions what to do step by step. And, and it you know, popped in the car, and, and you stated three to five minutes, and that's exactly right. It was uh, uh, like putting air into a tire. You hear this whooshing sound, and all of a sudden you're done. And it's it's in a little bit different way with kilograms, and, and the, the, the printout is a little bit different. But it was surprisingly easy for someone who had never done it before to not to be intimidated. It was very user-friendly. But along those lines, the 366-mile three, three, the range has... But a little bit controversial. I, maybe that's a little bit too strong of a word. But I never, I, I, I never achieved that. But I, I, I knew reasons why I wasn't going on Interstate Five. You're, you know, the average traffic's going 80, and you, that's in the slow lane. And there are other factors involved. So, could you take us through a little bit about how the determination uh, was made that it's a 366-mile range? Absolutely. Sure. So it's real simple. EPA uh, uh, does the testing that uh, provides the call it certification of, of fuel uh, range and fuel economy. Yes. This vehicle's rated at uh, 68 miles per kilogram, which is essentially the same as 68 miles per gallon. And if you do the math on that times the amount of fuel in the tank, you come up with 366. So it's really that simple. I'm going to pull back for a second, and that sure. is every vehicle I've ever been involved with, I've sought to uh, to prove out, you might say, can this vehicle achieve its EPA-rated fuel economy? Yes. I've done that with Clarity Fuel Cell, and it can and it does. The challenge is the, 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 the meter, the range meter, uh, let's just say there's lag time. So if you achieve that high fuel economy, it will slowly creep up and show you that it will do over 350 miles, yes. but it takes time to get there. That's the challenge. So only if you drove 68 miles per kilogram for about four or five tanks of gas would it then show that. Otherwise, it's based on an average of the vehicle's fuel economy. So simply put, fill the car, drive it till it stops, and if you achieve 68 miles per gallon, you'll see 366. That's the point. Thank you. Run it out of fuel? <laughs> like James already and, did that. I did that. <laughs> no, and, and that's a good point, uh, Bruce, is people don't think about that. When you look at the EPA range of a vehicle, it is literally from a full tank until it stops. We don't drive cars till they stop, sure, or if sure. you do, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve, I... I um, I've written a few articles about my experience, and I, I write a column just to reiterate for the, a publication in the Bay Area, San Jose Mercury, and its sister publication, the East Bay Times. And I wrote about my experience and uh, under the constraints of about 600 words, and I got a fair amount of responses, um, uh, many of which weren't very positive. Um, so I thought, if you wouldn't mind, I was just going to read one or two of them to you, and, and Maybe you could, uh, you know, kind of guide us in the right direction about your response. So, uh, the, the first Absolutely. one, the first one was, um, you know, addressed addressed to me, and it said I was not able to find any contact address for True Zero, the True Zero website, the hydrogen source for the Honda Clarity. I think True Zero is a very misleading name for your source, since two thirds of the hydrogen provided is from fossil fuel sources. So long, so long as this, this is the case, True Zero was simply a false name for the company. 
We know hydrogen can be produced from water, but so long as the process depends on fossil fuels, as it does for the bulk of the hydrogen from True Zero, then it is not a solution to fossil fuel-driven climate change. A useful article would have been one comparing total emissions from the plug-in electric vehicles fueled by solar panels with current currently available hydrogen power vehicles powered by fossil fuels. I've driven a plug-in electric Ford Focus since 2012, and if more of us did this, we'd see, we would see much cleaner air in the San Francisco Bay Area, and fewer children would suffer from asthma. The Weekly Driver podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today. That's a letter I got. So it's all yours, Steve. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break it down. Please. Uh, technically. Um, first of all, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, the criticism of a name True Zero, I, I think, is a little bit unfounded. Vehicles are certified as zero emission vehicles. Let's go back to his third point, which was asthma. There are zero smog emissions from the process of making hydrogen and driving a zero emission uh, uh, hydrogen fuel cell car, regardless of how uh, the uh, hydrogen is made. Smog emissions are what came out the tailpipe of internal combustion vehicles. The only emission of this is water. So I think that's my way of simply saying uh, that there's uh, merit to the name to zero uh, the, the the company is incorporated as a first element fuel, so uh, there, there's nothing to hide there. Gotcha. Um, the middle part of it was, uh, I think, a bit flawed because he said, uh, let's compare a plug-in vehicle charging from solar versus hydrogen. Let's put it this way. If we make hydrogen from the same solar one wants to plug in or charge their plug-in vehicle from, guess what? They're both zero-carbon vehicles. And I think that's the key. What we have is a, uh, I'll call it a, a certain uh, group of people that see only one way or one technology as a solution. At Honda, we see a multiple approach to technology that can provide choice for the public. Choice meaning if you want to plug in a vehicle and charge in your garage, leave every day with that full battery charge and that meets your needs, that's a wonderful thing. It's mm -hmm. great for society. The uh, way you charge it, whether you've charged off the grid or from stored solar, that gives people choice too. But hydrogen gives you the choice of that three to five minute refueling over 300 mile range. And that, in other words, mimicking what you do a gasoline vehicle. And guess what? Today's electric grid isn't 100% renewable. It's not there. So really, when the state says, let's set a requirement for 33% renewable uh, of all the hydrogen, the reason is under the GREET model done by Argonne National Labs under our uh, Department of Energy. The GREET model is kind of the Bible of what's called well-to-wheel emissions of vehicle transportation. At 33% renewable hydrogen, there's parity of CO2 emissions between battery electric vehicles and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. That's the key, and there's, that's the reason the state is committed to funding infrastructure and supporting both technologies, because both uh, uh, really can provide as low as zero carbon emissions, but on average, they're actually higher than that. Both are 
uh, greening, you might say, their grid, whether it's the production of hydrogen or production of electricity. So this question's uh, a good question, but it's kind of flawed in that middle part, this comparison of solar versus the hydrogen today. Right. Make hydrogen from solar, both are zero emission vehicles. It sounds like what you need to do is uh, put batteries in your... Uh in your in your clarity and then you'd have a plug-in uh, fuel cell car actually there's another automaker doing that they'll have a call it a, a plug-in hybrid like range all electric and again uh it, it's you could almost say it's fair to say that uh if they were driving that vehicle on hydrogen made from 100 percent renewable it would actually be cleaner on the hydrogen than uh charging it from the grid but the point, but rather than kind of pick a fight between the two, the, the goal here is to advance a greater, uh, you could say accelerate the consumer adoption of zero emission vehicles, whether hydrogen fuel cell or plug-in, and then the carbon reduction from transportation is actually reduced faster. That's the whole key. Well, I, I think the Clarity does that. It's a well-made car. It looks good. Um, you know, it's it's not a little tin can like some of the other manufacturers in their plug-in hybrid hybrids. And uh, like you say, you open the hood, and it looks like a a conventional motor under there. Yeah, it was. It's fantastic. I know that we're fortunate that in Sacramento area we have the um, the fuel cell partnership, and I did a nice little interview with Chris White uh, a while back, and. You may know that she had the first uh, fuel cell clarity in Northern California, and I asked her, um, you know, what kind of reaction she's had in the 18 months or so she's leased the car, and she said, you know, particularly in the in the warmer weather when she stops and people are out talking, she said she can't go, you know, uh, throughout the day she might get three or four people who stop her because obviously the, the car has those nice skirts. I, I think they're pretty on the back. A lot of people don't like them, but I, I think it looks great. And she gets a, uh, just a tremendous amount of um, reaction to driving that bright red uh, Clarity fuel cell around, around the Sacramento area, where still, I've seen a few of them, but not that many so far. Yeah, they're out there, and I think the cool thing is that, you know, the styling, design, and even the lighting of the Clarity makes it instantly recognizable. Mm -hmm. And then you just want to look and say, hey, is that the Clarity plug-in hybrid? Is that the Clarity electric or the Clarity fuel cell? Yes. I do it all the time. So we see them on the road here. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the HOV lane. You know, people are yes. excited to uh, be able to get in the carpool lane. That's a great, we call it non-financial uh, incentive, yes. vehicle adoption. Um, and just like, you know, when you talk to the uh, doctor and the businessman, they save time and time is money. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think all the pieces are coming together for greater adoption of electrified vehicles. And at Honda, of course, the, the clarity is kind of the tip of the spear of those vehicles for low carbon transportation. The, what, uh, what's the life expectancy of that fuel cell and how do they degrade over time? What is it that goes bad or gets used up or whatever in that thing? Well, in my answer, uh, I often tell people, hey, when I was growing up, you know, my father would celebrate if his car would make it 100,000 miles, right? And today, exactly. if you buy a Honda and it failed at 200,000, you'd be kind of uh, mad. Right. So it's been a true. moving target. So the goal is to have uh, fuel cell technology uh, basically that goes out to 150,000 miles. Most people consider that the life of a vehicle. Sure. Um, what we have as automakers is a warranty 
on vehicles with a very, very long warranty on powertrain to make sure that the customer is not impacted by something that fails uh, uh, early. The Department of Energy, um, they have done what they call a tech val, technology validation program, and what they showed was uh, vehicles that automakers were contributing data to are now achieving these uh, long mileage goals. And if they're not there, they're very close. So we continue to advance the technology. We expect this to be out uh, over 100,000 miles, and uh, the, the consumer is basically protected from uh, failures there. I see. The, one of the things that you mentioned uh, to me, Steve, is some of the facts and figures that I had to kind of uh, wrap my arms around. Could you tell us, could you fill us in on the, if a person was interested in, in leasing the Clarity fuel cell and just the numbers, the how the price would, would uh, come about, what the total price would be on the lease, you know, what you're getting back, the possibility, the use of the HOV lane, the, the, the fuel cell car that you get. There's a lot of stuff involved there that, that makes this car very attractive. Can you take us through that? Sure thing. And, uh, you know, and, and kind of chuckling amongst us, what I find in the, uh, you know, the electrified vehicle world is people are really good at math. Yes. You know, they're, they're calculating their efficiency. They're calculating a lot of things. So the Clarity Fuel Cell leases for three sixty nine a month. And that includes actually 20,000 miles annually of usage. So a typical lease, you know, you'll see somewhere between uh, 12, very common 12 or 15,000 miles. Yeah. So we've given it extra mileage because we know they accumulate more miles in the carpool lane. We've provided a fuel card for the vehicle, and that's because today's price of hydrogen is high because we have no, call it economy of scale. Everything yes. costs more. The reason the state is putting money behind stations is to help bridge that gap, you might say, of the higher cost. Then it will become, call it business as usual. Gas station owners can say, okay, now I can do this economically and make money. So we're offsetting the fuel costs. So if you said today you're, you're spending $150 a month in fuel, well, we've zeroed that out, so take the 369, pull 150 out of it. There's kind of your net cost of the vehicle. That's pretty good. Um, yes. We're providing uh, 21 days luxury car rental. The state of California has an incentive for the vehicles. And then just as I said earlier, uh, uh, HOV lane access, hey, if you're in a position where uh, your time is important, you know, we, we find even you know, single moms and others that have maybe children at daycare and with bad traffic, they, they get dinged for showing up late and of course their children get troubled. Mm -hmm. They tell us, hey, look, with a car like this and a car lane, I can get at, uh, you know, get back to the daycare center uh, on time and earlier my children are happier, I'm less stressed as a parent. So we hear these stories like this all the time. So economically, it's actually a very low cost vehicle. When you line up the incentives, uh, the fact that uh, fuel is basically zeroed out and uh, your time is money. The other uh, areas, um, thanks for filling us in on that, Steve. Um, the, I got a couple of other letters that are in other areas, and, and I'm going to take the hit on this one. The, one. the article that I wrote, one of the articles I wrote, had included the headline that, that read, Honda Clarity Fuel Cell Thrives on Water. And I realized that that head was a little, that headline was a not quite accurate, should I say? But when the person wrote the letter, um, he said, 
Uh, in the drive section of the San Jose Mercury News on May 27th, the headline read, Honda Clarity Fuel Cell Thrives on Water. This is very wrong. It is as bad as saying that humans thrive on urine. To thrive on something should mean to do well as a result of it. The fuel cell does not use water as fuel, it uses hydrogen. It emits water as a waste product. Even if you try to justify it by saying that hydrogen is made from water, the water does not supply the energy. Something else, typically electricity, supplies the energy to make hydrogen from water. So that's this, this person writing. So uh, are they accurate? Uh, are they half accurate? Are they off base? And, and certainly the headline was not as good as it could have been, I'm assuming. No, I'd, I'd say it's, uh, there's a certain merit to it, but it's very, call it one-sided. Go back to what I said earlier. Yes. Um, uh, we're all on a pathway to zero carbon transportation. Mm -hmm. One way to get there is to use what's called uh, water electrolysis. Mm -hmm. And you have today a ever-increasing amount of renewable electrons, for example, solar, wind, hydroelectric, so much so that, like, right now in California, there's this thing called the duck curve. This gets technical. But basically, in the middle of the day, we have more electricity than we consume. It's curtailed. So one of the pathways forward is to make hydrogen from that water. Uh, I'm sorry, make hydrogen using those electrons uh, that are uh, excess electrons or even curtailed um, using uh, water and electrolysis. And then you have zero carbon. And with the emission being water from the vehicle, what you have is a closed loop. I mean, it, it's no different than when it rains. Rain comes to the ground, it, it's absorbed and, and or evaporated, and then it, it becomes rain somewhere else. And when you look at the whole ecosystem there, actually, hydrogen from water is a great thing. To, to say your, art, your title was wrong is kind of, splitting hairs, meaning if today's hydrogen, all of it is not water electrolysis, that's there, mm -hmm. but we're on a pathway to do that. And then when you look at what's called the, again, the Greek model well-to-wheel emissions, um, it, it, it's, it's truly then zero smog emissions, zero carbon emissions. It's a great thing. Who, you know, you, who, who wouldn't want a truly sustainable transportation? Thank you. The third letter is a, in a different area, and the person wrote, I drive a Chevy Volt and read with interest your article, which appeared today in the San Jose Mercury. However, when I did the math, I wondered what I was missing. You said you drove 221 miles on 3.658 kilos at a cost of $60.19. My math shows that the fuel cost was 27 cents per mile. Assume a Prius getting 50 miles per gallon and at a fuel cost of $4 per gallon. That comes to 0 0.08 cents per mile, or 8 cents a mile, I beg your pardon. The cost of the Clarity is over three times more than the Prius. So while I would love to see fuel cars succeed, how can anyone, ex be, ex how can anyone be expected to buy a Clarity other than because she or he loves the environment and wants to make a statement? While I think your article was great on describing the vehicle, don't you believe you need to make these points to your readers who may not think through the, the economics comparison? Yeah, and, and, and the, the missing element here is what I had said earlier, that yes. we're providing a, a $15,000 fuel allowance, yes. which is $5,000 per year. Basically, that covers 
uh, uh, 100% of your fuel cost if you're averaging between 15 to 20,000 miles a year. Simply put, the it goes back to, yes, today the price of hydrogen is high. That's because it's, again, the thinnest edge of the wedge of a pathway to get uh, economy of scale. Let's go back to you know, the, the first 50-inch uh, big screen TV. If, if I said to you two, uh, you know, do you remember the cost of those 50-inch big screen TVs? Yes. Uh, you'd throw out a number. Very high, yeah. Very high. Very high, but I would say somewhere between five to ten thousand yep. dollars. That's what they were. Yes. Today, that's five hundred dollars. Scale matters, and that's the whole point. We have a—you could call it a glide slope of fuel cost. So I think the the the, uh, uh, the reader's comment has merit, except when he says, "I don't get it," or what part you know am I missing here from the cost per mile? The the cost to the customer per mile is zero today and that's because we're offsetting that tomorrow with future programs as the uh, fuel cost comes down we may not have to subsidize 100 percent of it maybe only 50 percent of it or see what i'm getting at it, it's a pathway to zero carbon transportation and in this case to uh, cost parity with gasoline or better we have the data we have the numbers uh, all the station providers know what they can do with scale. And so we'll see the cost of fuel come down. Basically, the, the, the reader's uh, point is good, but missing the fact that we've negated all fuel cost. Great. Um, Steve, there's a couple of other different areas uh, to cover real quick, and that is I, I found interesting when we, we've never met, but we I feel like I know you because we've had a number of conversations, and you mentioned that you were also involved in determining some components of the HOV lane and and the fines that are involved, I believe you said. And, and, and um, I, I love what you shared with me. And that the one thing I wanted to mention as a preface also is having never really experienced using those lanes on a long time basis. What I found is that it's a little bit like tunnel vision. You, you almost feel guilty at first, and then you feel satisfied being able to drive in that lane while the four other lanes to your right are at a complete standstill and you're getting dirty looks from people. And at the last minute, I'm always afraid that someone's gonna jump just because they're so frustrated about standing still while that lane of traffic is going by at 70, 80 miles an hour. So it's kind of a two-pronged question. Fill us in on, on that experience that you've had and also how you were involved with determining um, the fines involved and other components of the HOV lane. Yeah, so you have a good memory. You remember my comments there. Yes. So uh, when I was wearing the hat of uh, uh, board uh, uh, on the board of the California Natural Gas Vehicle Coalition, really, uh, we and the Electric Drive Coalition kind of figured out this federal law, and it's literally uh, 40 CFR Part 88. So it's kind of a sad day that an automaker has to memorize a code of federal regulations, but it's seared in my brain. Because we figured out that with this incentive, it may provide a value to these vehicles that eh, maybe you know we really didn't understand. So literally, I helped craft the legislation for HOV lane access for this class of vehicles. Yes. Um, on a telephone call with the California Highway Patrol, they were very concerned about enforcement. So I was involved in the creation of the stickers. Well, the law, Federal law said it had to be like an eight by 10 sticker, but the state of California said, nah, no one will take that. So 
they, they came up with their own, and that's the one we have today. But the point is, on this call with CHP, they said, well, we're concerned about enforcement and, you know, fines and stuff like that. And I piped up and I said, look, make the first offense so expensive people will never do it again. And they started laughing. And I said, well, what's so funny? And they said, well, we're used to talking to industry advocacy people that want the minimum fine. Yeah, sure. Trying to protect people. Yeah. I said, no, no, it's such a valuable uh, uh, incentive here that you want to have 100% strict adherence to the law. You don't want people kind of skating, you might say, and getting in. So they found that unusual. I threw that out there, and sure enough, uh, when the, the law was passed and uh, put in place, I think the first offense was like $250, and they were thinking it was gonna be only 50 or something. So yes, my fingerprints are on the HOB bill. There you go. <laughs> the other thing that stuck in my mind uh, through a variety of our conversations is, and you've answered some of these questions already, but you said that that you don't believe, and you didn't say it in any kind of a disparaging way, but what you said was that you don't think that the public yet understands just how good this vehicle really is. And so um, I know what you meant by it, but can you tell us what you meant by that? Well, I, I think here's an example is that, you know, some people will take a car for a drive and they'll run it, you know, around a parking lot or something like that. But the fact that you got out on what I call the open road, yes. that's where this car really shines. I mean, the uh, the interior noise, what we call in the auto industry, NVH, noise, vibration, harshness, is very, very low. The beauty of electric drive vehicles is they are quieter. Yes, and so we went out of our way to make sure that the experience for the driver is very quiet. It has your typical Honda DNA, which is, we some call it fun to drive, but you know this is the, the Honda racing spirit. So the car feels connected to the road. Sure does. The fact that you have sensing systems for lane keep assist, you know, keeping you in your lane properly or giving you notice if you start to veer out. It's just a, a great car to drive. So what we found is when we put people behind the wheel of any electric drive car, whether it's the Clarity uh, uh, Electric or the Clarity Fuel Cell or the plug-in, and they get it out on the open road and they punch it, they, they, they love it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's my simple point is uh, now that we have all three models out there, the Clarity plug-in electric available in 100% of our dealers nationwide. The public are now figuring out, wow, this Clarity is a great car. It just works well. It's fun to drive. And taking long trips on the freeway, you arrive uh, you know, really refreshed. You're not worn out, you might say. Well, well, it is a regular car. That's what I liked about it. It's, and it's, it's well-made. The fit and finish is good. And like you say, uh, you know, you can punch the thing. And it's, it's, it, Handles like a regular car, and you don't. You're not in a you know some science fair uh, buggy from some of the other manufacturers. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> well, Steve, um, yeah. you've you've been you filled us in with this great expertise, and we want to thank you for being our guest on the weekly driver podcast. I I was really looking forward to chatting with you again, as as Bruce was, um, and it, it's good to know that. Um, well, number one, it's nice when people write letters and give, give me feedback, but it's it's great to give them the answers from an expert because I'm I'm not I don't consider myself the expert yet, but I'm learning, and and you've really helped us today. So we want to thank Steve Ellis again for yes, being our you. guest, and uh, we really appreciate your time, Steve. Thanks a bunch. No, thank you. I was glad to provide hopefully uh, valuable information and uh, answers to the, some of those questions. The Weekly Driver Podcast receives support from americantrucks.com, your late model Silverado, Sierra, Ram, and F-150 online aftermarket retailer. 
bringing you all of the hottest parts from accessories to lift kits, from wheels to tires and winches. americantrucks.com has the knowledge and know-how to make your wildest dreams come to reality. Visit americantrucks.com.